What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. I think I just got an epiphany. That's something I guess I'd never really stopped to consider. This is like deep. I never thought about it. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly. I haven't really looked at it that way before. Yeah, that just sounds cool. That just now came to me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. All right, welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host. And we've been in the series on fear of man. So I told you in the first episode that this is a problem. It's a problem that most of us are aware of and some of us experience. And in the first episode, if you haven't listened to these sequentially, I would encourage you to go back to the first episode and and really hear like, what do we call fear of man? What is that? And in some, it's something like people-pleasing. The world would use the secular term codependent. You are codependent on someone. And remember, that's not really a compliment. You are so codependent on your boyfriend. Oh, thank you. We have a great relationship. That's not usually a compliment. Uh, People-pleasing, fear of man. It's when we let people take God's place in, in our life. And, and think when we, we mean that, it's approval affirmation to fill us up, to make us safe. People become that for us. So go back to the first episode and learn some of the nature of it. In our last episode, I said, what's the remedy? And the worldly remedy to fear of man is to start to make fun of people, belittle them. You're a loser. And that mentality is not from the scripture. You're going to see that in the scripture, we are actually called to esteem others is more important than ourselves, and their interest is more important. So to begin to belittle other people for the, the goal of growing out of your fear of man, that's not biblical. And it's also not biblical to try to escalate your view of yourself. The true remedy is not putting other people down and exalting yourself. The true remedy is really that you are growing in your vision of who the Lord is. And in that way, what this means practically is that we want people to to think of us well, but why? Because we want them to think of the Lord when they think of us. We want to represent the Lord. And so it's not what people think of us ultimately, it's what the Lord thinks of us. So I finished last episode by saying today I am going to provide some practical steps. So that's where I would like to focus. I want to give you guys some practical things to apply if fear of man is something that you're wrestling with or perhaps you're parenting and it would be helpful for your kids to hear these things or you're going to disciple them through them. So let me start big picture with fear of man. If fear of the Lord is the remedy for fear of man, then we want to get to the attributes of God. All right. And if I just said, hey, the attributes of God, this is a lot of what Transformed is about in terms of the program, the show, resources. We want people to grow in their understanding of who God is. And 2 Corinthians 3 says that when you behold the glory of the Lord, you will be transformed. And that transformation comes through the work of the Holy Spirit when you see God. But in particular, with fear of man, why do I start with the attributes of God? Because if you believe that God is big and you believe that God is powerful, then what will happen is man's opinion won't go away, but it will be put into context. Man will not be ultimate in your life. So what attributes do we start with? I would actually encourage you to start with the incommunicable attributes. 
meaning the ones that God does not share with us or he does not communicate to us. In particular, let me give you some ideas. What if you were to start with the omnipotence of God? The omnipotence of God means that he's all-powerful. He's able to do anything inside of his will, theologians would say. So God is all-powerful. There's no one that stops him. There's no one that prevents him from doing what he wants to do. He's capable. Uh, His power is unlimited. Think of it this way. This is the bigness of God, his power. Maybe you want to study the omniscience of God, his knowledge. He knows all things actual and possible. God knows your boss's actions. He knows what your boss could do, what he couldn't do. God knows not only the things that do happen, but the things that could happen. He knows the future. God knows everything. Maybe you want to study his presence, another omni, his omnipresence. And the omnipresence of the Lord means that God is everywhere. He's at every part of this universe. There's nowhere that you're going to go, Psalm 139, that the Lord is not there. In the omnipresence of God, the omnipotence, the omniscience of the Lord, you are going to bolster your view of who God is. Meaning that if I fear man, I often have a very anemic or puny view of the Lord. It's puny baby view of God. Whereas I'm actually looking not to just plus up my view, but to have an accurate view of the Lord. And the scripture doesn't paint God as being puny. It paints him as being the great I am, the almighty, as being big. So our fear of man is a fog that prevents us from beholding God as he truly is. And how do we step one, overcome fear of man? By growing in our understanding of the bigness of God. When you study these attributes, I'm convinced that what will happen is you will begin to respond in trusting him more and seeing him as being in absolute control. Your response is not going to be, oh no, what do they think of me? Oh no, does my boss like me? Oh no, am I safe? Oh no, they said something weird. Do they still care for me? Those won't be your responses when you see the bigness of God. The bigness of God is going to be something that continues to woo you into pleasing him ultimately. And then for man, uh, putting man's opinion in context. Remember, not putting man down, but putting man's opinion in context. So um, the omnis, think of all your omnis, the holiness of God. I would encourage you to bust out the holiness of God. Begin to study the Isaiah sixes. Begin to study the Revelation fours. Begin to study what it means that God is holy, separate from sin. He's dedicated to his own glory. God's holy. Study the independence of God. He doesn't need us or any other part of creation to exist, yet he chooses to use us. So God's not dependent on anyone outside of himself. He's self-sufficient. This is his aseity. Listeners, as you're hearing this, start with the big attributes of God. Now, of course, you could say, hey, Dr. Gifford, what about love and goodness and wisdom? And I would say, absolutely. Those are obviously awesome attributes. But practically speaking, we just want to make sure that in this, we're elevating, we're accurately seeing God in his bigness. Because what the fear of man does is it often makes God small. That's where Ed Welsh got that title, that God is small technically and man is big. So we're trying to inverse this where we're saying, okay, man, we want you to be in context. And then God, we want to see you for who you really are. So where am I going to, where am I going to do that? Step one, I'm going to start with a study of the attributes of God and which attributes. I'm going to study the big ones, the omnis, holiness, aseity. Uh, this is where we're going, first of all. 
Second of all, if you're looking for practical steps to deal with the fear of man, I'm going to encourage you to go to some of these passages. So I mentioned a few of these in our last episode, but you have to commit to memory Proverbs 29, verse 25. If you have a Bible, turn over there. I've done my best to saturate this series with Proverbs 29, 25. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You have to memorize this passage if you're seeking to grow in the fear of the Lord and seeking to put off the fear of man. The fear of man lays a snare. It's dangerous, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. If you're seeking to grow in your fear of man, renew your mind with the truth of Scripture. And which Scriptures do I recommend? Yeah, I would start with Proverbs 29, 25, in all honesty. Uh, remind yourself of the dangers of what happens when you fear man ultimately. Remind yourself of the safety that you find in the Lord. And that safety is going to be when you trust in Him. So what you're looking for in people is never going to work. You can only find that in the Lord. So where am I going to go next? Memorizing Scripture. Which Scripture? Proverbs 29, 25. Hopefully you remember Galatians 1. This is where Paul asks the churches of Galatia, am I now seeking the approval of man, verse 10, or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The second passage I would encourage you to commit to memory is Galatians 1.10. Ask yourself that question. Am I seeking the approval of man ultimately, or am I seeking the approval of God ultimately? Your boss might think you're the best worker of all time. Why? Because you say yes to everything they ask you to do. But in the end, we want to make sure that we are saying yes because we want God's approval, not because we want our boss's approval first and foremost. Why do we volunteer for things at church? Well, first and foremost, it should be because we want God's approval, not because we're fearful of letting people down or what you might think of us if we don't do that thing. Am I seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? Listeners, step one, grow in your vision of who God is in his bigness. That's going to be the attribute. Step two, commit some of these scriptures to memory. Review them, meditate on them, apply them. So what we're going to do now is let's take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to encourage you in our last segment to identify particular steps and then to take a step of application and how you can grow in fearing the Lord and not ultimately fearing man. And we'll be back with Dr. Greg Gifford in just a moment. But before we do, I want to highlight a helpful booklet that goes along the lines of what he's talking about today. It's from Dr. Lou Priolo, and it's titled Self-Image, How to Overcome Inferiority Judgments. And this is a resource that digs into the root struggles behind poor self-image and self-esteem. And it's all from a biblical perspective because Dr. Priolo explains how when we feel inferior at times and those feelings go unchecked, they will at best hamper our ability to serve and glorify God. And at worst, they'll render us useless and it's kingdom work. And that's the kind of thing that Dr. Priolo kind of opens up in self-image, how to overcome inferiority judgments. And I would highly recommend that to you. You can pick up a copy right now at transformed.org. Profound truth 
And while you're there at Transform.org, I would also ask that you might possibly prayerfully consider joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, because when you do that, oh, you open doors that you don't even understand you're opening. And I'm not talking about from a spiritual perspective as far as God blessing you. Now, that possibly could happen, but I'm talking about opening the door of the gospel for millions of people all over the world, because the work we do here at Gospel Partners Media, when we put out productions like Transformed and Road Trip to Truth, Wretched Radio and Wretched TV, Breaking Bread, and all of the other resources that we're able to produce, we do it to reach as many people as far and wide as we possibly can, and we can only do that with your help. And so we're looking for you to join us in this effort by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. You can get all of the information on what that looks like in your life at transformed.org. And also while you're there at transformed.org, one of the other things that you'll find we carry in the Transformed store are resources, resources that help equip you down the path of becoming a biblical counselor yourself. Now, you may not have even thought about becoming a biblical counselor, but can I ask you to pray about that? Our churches right now are in dire need of more biblical counselors, and you can get started down the path to becoming a biblical counselor by picking up resources like Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul David. Trip. It's an excellent primer to biblical counseling. It provides key theological pillars and it should be on the bookshelf. It is on the bookshelf of pretty much every certified biblical counselor. You can pick it up right now at transformed.org. It's Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul David Tripp. All right, well, that's going to do it for me. We've got to get back now to Dr. Greg Gifford as he continues his talk and discussion on the fear of man. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. We have a tendency to let our feelings be the engine that drives our lives. And when we do, despair is soon to follow. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. All right, welcome back. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks for the resources that you're continuing to show us. Again, Transformed is an opportunity to go to the website and see the books, uh, worksheets, some of even the counseling videos. I've told you this multiple times, Amazon is available for sure, but I don't always know what to trust on Amazon. So what we're doing with Transformed is we're trying to have resources that you can go to and trust. So when people ask, which resources do you recommend? I often feel that Amazon is not the answer, but I can say, yes, go to Transformed and anything that's on there, I'm going to trust. All right. Here's what we've said so far. How do we grow in fearing the Lord and not fearing man? Well, number one, we grow by doing our best to immerse ourselves into the character of God and not just in any way and his love and his goodness and his mercy. Those are appropriate and those are accurate attributes of God. Yes, absolutely. But how do we want to grow? We want to grow in the bigness of God. We want to grow in feeling our smallness. We want to grow in feeling the smallness of people. And how do we do that? By studying the incommunicable attributes of God. Study his independence, study his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, study those, or perhaps go to maybe a communicable attribute like holiness and see God's purity, his devotion to his own honor. When we study the attributes of God, it will continue to put you and other people into context. And the next I said, you have to be renewing your mind with the truth of scripture and what scripture Proverbs 29, 25, and it's a, it's a baseline Galatians 1, 10. Colossians 3, 23 to 24, not being people pleasers in our jobs by way of eye service, 
Daniel chapter 3. When we're talking through each of these, we're making sure that these scripture are permeating, we're renewing our mind. Daniel 3, no matter what happens, we know God can save us, but we're not bowing down to this false image, O Nebuchadnezzar. Those are the scripture that we want to renew our mind with. But lastly, how do I actually take that and translate it into practical real world? Well, let me share a story with you. I was counseling a gentleman. This was years ago. This was probably upwards of 10 years ago, meeting with a guy who worked in college ministry. And in college ministry, the fear of man was just, it was like a restraint on him. And it wasn't only what the other staff workers thought. It was even some of what the college students thought of him. Uh, So he was mid-20s at this point. So as we began to meet in counseling, I found how his decision-making was really dictated by how others perceived him. Everything from the way he talked to the way that he carried himself, even things like style, were predominantly because of how he was perceived. He was a very gracious man and very gentle. Often, most people who fear men are very gracious and kind. Why? Because they want to make you happy and they don't want to upset you. If you're super abrasive, you probably don't struggle with fear of man because you don't care what other people are thinking. That's partly why you're abrasive. So that he was just this kind of gracious guy, very easy to get along with. And in our time, I said, okay, like we've gone through the theology of fear of man. We've talked about fearing the Lord and growing in that. I even had him go through that book, When People Are Big and God Is Small. I said, but now the rubber has got to meet the road. You got to begin to implement this in your life and do that in a way that shows your theology is being applied to your day-to-day life. You really do believe what your theology says. So I said, how are you going to do it? And he said, I don't know. Let me think about it. I said, all right, cool. So they had a retreat coming that weekend. And at the retreat, he decided of his own to make an application. And I'll never forget it. He said, normally I wouldn't go swimming because I'm just afraid of how everybody looks at me if I get into the pool. You know, even if he's wearing a shirt in the pool, like it's, no, I'm not going to swim. No, I don't feel like it. So his application for growing in fear of man, are you ready for it? It was, it was this simple. It was this straightforward. And I loved it. He said, you know what? Normally I'd say I'm not going to swim because I'm afraid of what everyone would think of me, but I'm going to swim when we're at the hotel pool. <laughs> Swimming as an opportunity to grow in fear of the Lord. But some of you are like, oh, I know exactly what's that like. That's why I don't go to the beach. That's why I don't go to the pool. I'm so concerned what everyone's going to think about me. It's not enjoyable for me. And when he came back to counseling the next week and he shared that with me, I was like, high five. What a brilliant idea. Not necessarily about swimming, but saying, you know what? Ultimately, if I'm being modest when I go swimming and I'm doing my best to be respectful of others, then what you think about me in this exact moment isn't of most importance. That was a great application. So take your theology of fear of man, growing in the fear of the Lord, and let's actually tease it out to a couple of applications. I want you to think of this next one. In my first episode, I said some of us are hypersensitive. When we are not invited to an event, we immediately feel rejected. Uh, You didn't invite us, therefore you hate us. So first application, when someone doesn't invite you to an event, are you looking for their approval ultimately or are you looking for God's approval? Because if you're looking for God's approval, you'll say something like, oh man, that would have been fun, but obviously they don't have to invite me to every event in their life. That's it. I trust the Lord. I'm not pouty. I'm not cold towards them. I'm not sending them messages that says, thanks for the invite. You know, I in that way, when someone doesn't invite you, instead of you saying, man, you should have invited me. Do you hate me? 
you're going to say, you know what? I'm safe in the Lord. The Lord is big. Like I find my approval and my refuge in him and you guys not inviting me isn't really going to change my life one way or the other. I'm good. I'm good. Number two in application. If we are individuals that want people to be happy with us, we are going to struggle with speaking the truth, even to the point of falsehood. So by way of application, we're saying, I'm never going to lie. I'm never going to exaggerate. I'm never going to stretch the truth. I'm never going to make myself look to be the hero. None of that. Rather, what I'm going to do is always speak the truth and I'm going to do it in a loving way. I'm never going to lie. You'll find that lying is often motivated by fear of man. I want you to think more of me, more highly of me, whatever that is. So application, we're speaking the truth, we're doing it in a gracious and loving way, and we're going to trust the Lord with how you receive that. And if you think we're the worst person in the world, I cannot control that. God is ultimately the one that I'm seeking to please in this moment. Number three, self-image. Think of the person that has to look perfectly before they leave the house. They have to be perfectly put together, hair done, makeup, whatever that is. I want you to think, how can you practically start to grow and saying, you know, I don't need people to think I am beautiful. I don't need people to affirm me. I'm focusing on the way the Lord views me now. So that might mean that I'm going to bust out my Hanes sweatpants and go grocery shopping. (laughs) You guys know those cheapo Hanes. Hanes is going to contact us and be like, no, Dr. Gifford, you can't say that. It's true. The cheesy sweatpants. You're going to the grocery store in your sweatpants. Why? Because you don't ultimately care what people think of you. You do care what people think of you, but if they catch you in a sweatpants day, you're not mortified by that. When you are not thanked, are you in that moment going to be bitter and resentful or are you going to look to the Lord as the reason why you were doing what you were doing? Remember Colossians 3 hinges you work hard, not as a people pleaser or by way of eye service. You work hard for the Lord because you know from the Lord you will receive your reward. So whenever you're not thanked for something, I want you to equate this back to, am I ultimately wanting the approval of man or am I ultimately wanting the approval of God? I find in my own heart and the hearts of those that I've met with in counseling that when we grow bitter because you didn't thank us for what we did for you, you know what's really at the source of that is that we didn't do it for God. We did it for your thanks. We did it for your approval, your affirmation. We want you to think how awesome we are. And you didn't even notice. In all seriousness, yes, that's really like we get mad at you because you didn't say thank you. Well, of course, we want to be treated with respect and appreciation, but we're not doing it ultimately for you. So whether you say thank you to me or not shouldn't change my motivation. I want to please the Lord and I want to do good. So when, when we are not given that praise or that appreciation, check your heart and be able to say, Lord, am I doing this because I want to please you or not? And lastly, and I was talking about this at a men's conference recently. We were talking through the idea of working hard for the Lord, not for man. So when we see the context of Colossians 3, that is work. The eye service is those that only work when their boss is watching. So practically speaking, if we're not careful, we only do a good job when someone double checks our work, a customer or a boss. Do you work hard even if you're quite sure no one else is going to follow up on this? Do you do a good job? By way of application in fear of man, some of us actually need to step up our work game. Maybe you're, you're like remote working right now listening to this podcast and you're like, no, <laughs> I'm sorry to bust you out. Okay, but we do need to be diligent workers. So even if our boss is not looking over our shoulder or our customer is not really double checking our math, I want you to see that why do we work hard unto the Lord? 
we do that because Colossians 3, we want to please him. So there are times when your customer is not going to care greatly, or there are times when your boss doesn't care greatly. And yet, why are you doing such a good job? Because you're doing it unto the Lord. If you're a people pleaser, then you're going to be shoddy when no one's watching. You're going to cut corners. And those things not only dishonor the Lord, they end up coming back to haunt you professionally. So practical application. Here's what I would say. Where do you struggle the most with fear of man? Start there and identify one step, just one step, one practical application for how you can grow in fear of man. And let this series prompt you to say, you know what? I'm not going to be totally transformed and God miraculously heals me of fear of man right now. But what I can do is actually be faithful to apply his word in small ways and watch the way that the Lord works. So let me finish this series again, commending to you Ed Welsh's book. You can find it at transform.org. When people are big and God is small. Look, I said, skip a lunch and go buy that book. That's how important it is. Spend some time in that. And if you have questions, please write to me at greg at transform.org and I will do my best to interact either on air or with you guys via email. So let me pray for you and we have to be done today. Lord, all of us want to honor you in some at varying degrees. I understand that. Some of us are trapped in fear of man and we've never heard that the solution is we need to grow in our vision of you. Would you use this series to prompt individuals not to grow in a lesser opinion of people, but to grow in a heightened view of who you are, your bigness. Allow us to see that so that we can be transformed personally, transformed such that people matter, but they don't ultimately matter. We don't ultimately need people's respect and approval and affirmation. Work this in our hearts so that we would be faithful to you first and foremost and blessings to others we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? And until next time, go serve your king. 